So today we're going to talk about what may be the most common misbelief about God in our American version of Christianity. Here it is. Above anything else, top of the list, high priority, God wants you happy. Now let me walk into it this way. If I told you God did not want you happy, that would be very disturbing to most of us here, right? Of course it would. Because it feels so good to hear that God wants us to be happy. He wants us to to go through life and, and have it be the way you want it to be. He wants us to experience nothing but tippy-toeing through the tulips. (laughs) If I told you that that wasn't entirely true, it would be upsetting for so many people because it really feels good to know that God wants us happy. I would love to be able to tell you that above anything else, God wants you happy. I'd love to be able to tell you that above all else, God wants you happy in your life he wants you to never go through anything bad and because for you, the bottom line is God wants me happy. In fact, I could even quote scripture that would convince you that this is true. Here it is. It's Psalm 97, 11. If you obey and do right, a light will show you the way and you will be filled with happiness. You see, it's obvious God wants us happy. In fact, I read this to the the staff last week in the staff meeting, I read this scripture and look what happened. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sometimes she's here, you can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way. I was happy. I'm, okay. I don't know why I did that. It was definitely a gamble, but I'm glad it made you happy. Because when I get home this afternoon, Terry's going to let me know how stupid that was. <laughs> this is one of the big cultural mistakes in what people believe about God. Who? I'm out of breath. <laughs> I don't dance much. You see, they believe above all all else, God wants you happy. If you believe that, it starts us down a road of other misbeliefs. Other misbeliefs. Let's call it the theology of happiness. Okay? Theology of happiness. If you believe that God's supreme goal for you is happiness, here's what you eventually start to do. First, if you believe God wants you happy above all else, Whatever makes you happy must be right. Whatever makes you unhappy must be wrong. Okay? You got that one? That's the first one. Cheryl Crow sang about it. When she sang, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If we believe God wants us happy above everything else, then whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Secondly, You start to believe that if something isn't going the way you want, then God must not be in it. All right? 
Not going the way you want. In other words, discomfort or delay or risk. I knew somebody who had to have a hard conversation with someone, an honest conversation to work things out. And they said, you know, that conversation would be so uncomfortable, that couldn't be God. All right? So if something's not going the way, any obstacle, it couldn't possibly be God's will. And then thirdly, without knowing this, without knowing this, you begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure and things. Here's the problem with the theology of happiness. When I believe that above all else, God wants me happy, suddenly I am forced to believe that God exists to serve me. He's my genie. He exists to serve me. But we have to understand God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. If God is not there to make me happy, suddenly I reduce him to a cosmic Coke machine. I put in my money. I push the right button. I've done my part. Contractually, the machine must give me exactly what I ask for. You see, literally, without even thinking about it, this is what we do. We reduce God down to some kind of formula. God, I said my prayers. I went to church. I tried to do good things, tried not to do bad things. I gave a little money in the offering. I helped a little old lady cross the street. I dodged my neighbor's cat and didn't run over them. I've done all these good things, God. Therefore, my headache should go away. Therefore, the girls should go out with me. Therefore, I should get that job. I should get the dream house because I put the money in. I pressed the button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do. Here's the tragedy, the tragedy of the theology of happiness. So many people end up walking away from God for completely wrong reasons because of a wrong belief system. They say things like, I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. I tried religion, didn't work. I read the Bible for a while and I still have cancer. My kids are still rebellious. I'm still not any better off financially. I gave God a chance and he let me down. If you believe that God exists to make you happy and then you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed. But God didn't fail. You started with the wrong belief system which led you into a very dangerous place. Okay, now that I've depressed the entire room and caused you to think that God has no desire for you to be happy, you need to know this. I definitely believe God delights in our happiness. When we're happy, he delights in that, just like a parent would be delighted when their child is happy. For example, a couple of weeks ago, Terry and I got to go to Joshua's last uh, baseball game for Legion. It was the end of the season for the fall. I was coaching. Terry was in the stands. And it was a great game for Josh. It was fantastic. He uh, it started off, he, uh, well, in the middle of the game, I guess it was, he, he uh, got this uh, hit. That's what goes out in the field, right? A hit, yeah. He got a hit out there. In center field, he throws the guy out all the way at third base. Great play. Later on in another inning, he was 
uh, part of a, the pickle. You know, a guy, guy on the other team was in between second and third, and they were doing the rotation trying to get him out. And Josh was the last one to get the ball and tag the guy out. That was great. He hit two doubles. The first double was in the first inning uh, when he got an RBI because the run scored. One of our two runs scored. Uh, the last double, his other double, was in the bottom of the ninth. We were tied one-to-one. Josh gets a double. Then he steals third. Then he gets hit in, and he's the winning run. He was a happy boy. And guess who else was happy? His mom. Terry was happy that Josh was happy. I was obnoxiously happy. Can you tell? (laughs) Can you tell? I was so obnoxious about it that the next morning I went into staff meeting and I completely bored the staff to tears with every detail of the game. Yes, it made me happy to see Josh happy. But watch this. His happiness is not necessarily my highest priority. Let's say in another game, Josh hit the game-winning grand slam, walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. That would make him very happy. But then, if he was going around third, heading towards home, and looked at, over at the opposing team's dugout and flipped them off, all of a sudden, his happiness is not my number one priority. That makes sense? You see what I mean? I delight in his happiness but it's not necessarily always my highest priority. Yet many of us treat God as if he should have that as his top priority. Make me happy. Here's what we really need to see. More than pursuing happiness, God wants us to pursue him. We pursue him not for the byproduct of happiness. We pursue him for who he is. And that's it. That's enough. It's more than enough as we'll see today. So I want to really dispel one of the biggest and most dangerous cultural myths about God. I want to show you two specific reasons that God isn't always concerned about our happiness. First of all, God doesn't want you necessarily happy if it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Your happiness doesn't mean much if it causes you to do something stupid or sinful. So many people do something that they believe is going to make them happy. You know how it goes? Hey, this is going to be fun. It's going to make us happy. Famous last words, right? And then it turns out to not be such a great idea. We're reminded of what wise King Solomon said. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Now, maybe we didn't die from some of those things, but boy, it sure killed the idea, didn't it? We do this because we have this warped belief system. Scripture teaches this. Because the God who called you is happy, you must be happy in everything of your life. I don't think it says it that way, does it? No, here's what we're taught. Because the God who called you is holy, you must be holy in every aspect of your life. Yet when we believe above all else, God wants us happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong and they're unwise, all in this pursuit 
of happiness. All right? Our documentation to be in this country has that in there, the pursuit of happiness. But it doesn't say to put it above everything else. Years ago, a couple who were both my friends got married. It was only a year later, and he came to me and said, David, we're not really getting along anymore. And my heart broke just a year. You know, they were so in love, it seemed like to me. I asked, what happened? And he said the same thing I've heard a thousand times. He said, she's just not making me happy. And I'm not really making her happy. We're considering divorce. They did. They divorced. I don't want to put a guilt trip on anyone, but don't people remember the promises they made? They're called vows. They agreed before God that it is for better or worse until death do us part. It's not just about happiness. It's about a covenant we made with our spouse. But like my friends who say, yeah, 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 but we're just not happy. I'm not trying to make those of you have been, who have been through this feel guilty. I'm not doing that at all. If you've experienced the pain of divorce, you know how much it hurts, and you don't need any more of that pain. What I'm doing here is talking to, to those of you who are kind of at that worst part. For, for better or worse, you're at the worst part. And you need to know that God's highest calling is not your happiness. You created this covenant. So you work through the worst part toward the better part. God's highest calling is for you to be holy in all you do. Yet so many of us, when we wrongly believe that above everything else, God wants us happy, then that belief system empowers us to do what is actually wrong and justified in our minds. It happens all the time. God doesn't necessarily want you happy if it causes you to do something wrong, something sinful, something unwise. That list could go on and on. You know how it plays out in our, mind, in our lives? There's so many things. You decide you want to eat cake. Not a piece of cake, the cake. <laughs> All right? And you think, hey, that'll make me happy. But it turns out to not be very wise, right? <laughs> Yet we do it sometimes because we think it makes us happy. That list goes on. Premarital sex. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, I hope you understand that the gift of lovemaking is a gift from God. It's from him, and it's meant to be used in the confines of marriage. Yet even though so many Christians know that, they're like, I don't care. It feels good to me. You know, I've got my needs. I'm a man. I'm like a dog. I can't control myself. After all, we're in love. We're kind of married in our hearts who needs the piece of paper? It's all about our bodies being happy, right? We justify doing the wrong thing because it makes us happy. The list goes on. People go to the bars and they drink more than necessary. I'm not against drinking, but drinking more than necessary. It costs too much. You spend all your money. You drive home. It's not safe. 
but because it's fun, it makes me happy. I believe it's okay. I completely get this if you want to make fun of me for talking about things like this. Because if I were not a Christ follower, I'd make fun of me too. (laughs) But you have to understand, following Christ should cause us to live to a higher standard. So if you want to go to the bar, all right, go ahead. But just try this. Imagine me sitting right next to you. All right? (laughs) Just pretend and, you know, save a seat for me. All right? And and imagine me leaning over and saying, hey, can I have some of those peanuts? And then imagine me asking this question. Hey, are you happy? Are you happy? Now, wouldn't that just ruin it for you? (laughs) That would ruin it. You might as well save your money because now you're going to picture me with my white mustache right in front of your face eating your peanuts and asking you if you're happy. All right, I'm being a little sarcastic. But God doesn't want you happy if it's going to cause you to do things you shouldn't be doing, unwise things. Because God, the one who called you, he's holy. And you must be holy in every aspect of your life. God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. Here's the second reason that God isn't always concerned about our happiness. Doesn't want us there if it's only based on the things of this world. If that's the bottom line, based on the things of this world, he doesn't care about us being happy. I mean, you guys have seen all the TV ads. It's amazing what they say you need to be happy. In just one late night sitting of television, you'll learn exactly what you need to be happy. Happy. You need, for sure, a blanket with holes in it called the Snuggie. You never see pictures of people with Snuggies without a smile on their face. They're happy, right? You also need miracle lotion to make you look 22. Now, it doesn't matter that all the models in the commercials are 22. You're 50, and you can look 22 with miracle lotion. It'll make you happy. And you definitely need this one, the Shake Weight. The shake weight. Now, I will not demonstrate this because somebody's going to have a video camera out there and see that vulgar-looking demonstration, and it'll be all over Facebook, and I'll be gone. All right? But think about the people that make this thing, that make the shake weight. Do you believe people are buying this thing, and we're millionaires because of it? Here's the formula that culture tells us is true. They say their thing It's bigger, it's better, it's faster, it's shinier. It creates peaceful circumstances. The absence of all conflict, plus thrilling experiences, the perfect vacation, and of course, the right relationship. If you have all these things, it equals happiness. I see those commercials, and I see what they show on the grocery store shelves, you know, And it's like when Terry sends me out right before dinner. She's forgotten some things. She wants me to run to the grocery store and grab something. So she sends me out with a short list. Now, you have to understand when men go to the grocery store, there are two rules. First rule is you have to get something. You have to get the wrong thing. You have to screw it up somehow. That's just what we do. That's rule number one. Rule number two is you have to get something that's not on the list. 
because we're hunters and that's what we do. All right? I usually get something I didn't need because I think it will make me happy. Oh, here's some ice cream over here. That's exactly what the world tries to do to us. If you get this, if you buy that, if you have this, if you trade this in, if you get whatever, you're going to be happy. Yet, watch this. What happens? We're still not happy, at least not for very long, because God doesn't want us to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. In fact, John tells us why the pursuit of happiness always leaves a void. He says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in this world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. You could put on that list wanting to be happy. It has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set forever, for eternity. God really doesn't care that much if you're happy when it causes you to do wrong things, when it causes you to do sinful, stupid things. And God doesn't stay so concerned about your happiness if it's based only on the things of the world. Above all else, God's highest calling for you is not happiness because he really wants something better than happiness for you. He wants to bless your socks off. That's what God wants. The Greek word translated as the word blessed is the word makarios. Now, there's a song that sounds a little bit like that, but I'm not going to dance because it probably won't make you happy. I already did that. All right? Makarios. The word makarios means supremely blessed. It could actually be translated literally more than happy. God wants you more than happy. He does this in a couple of other places. Like one place he says he makes us more than conquerors. How are you more than a winner? You either win or you don't win, right? He makes us more than that. Here he makes us more than happy. Now, that doesn't mean you'll always have perfect health. It doesn't mean you'll win the lotto. When God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean the sun will shine every day. Your kids will still fight. Your car will still break down. You might get a zit the day before the prom. It may happen. These things do happen. What being blessed means is that you will experience God's goodness right in the middle of your difficulties. Your happiness and the blessings are not based on a perfect, pain-free life. God never promises that anyway. Jesus even says, in this world, you will have trouble. Is there anything unclear about that? You will have it. But take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. The problem is we're looking for that pain-free, perfect life And if we don't have it, we start to blame God when the reality is God wants to be active all through our lives, even in the pain-filled parts. He wants to be active. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're going to have no trials. It doesn't mean 
you're not going to feel weak. It doesn't mean your life will be free from storms. But in the middle of the storm, you can have a blessing. It can come in the form of supernatural peace from God that goes beyond your human ability to understand or describe. That peace will guard your heart. It will guard your mind. It will guard your very soul in Christ Jesus. Some of you, even today, you're in the middle of a storm and the peace of God can move in your heart and suddenly you recognize, you know what? I don't like this thing I'm in, but I can still trust God. Even though I'm in the middle of a mess, I can still believe and trust in God. You can be in the middle of a trial that you would never want to go through. Don't even feel like you have enough to to get through it. And yet, for some reason, in the presence of God, you have this joy unspeakable. A joy that wells up from deep inside. And people say, how do you get that? And all you can say is, it comes from God. That's your only explanation. It just comes from God. You've been through so much junk in your life, but eventually you start to recognize that you are who you are today because God used that junk to transform you into his image. It's the blessings of God. Now, I know there's a little ache inside of us that tells us there's more to life. Definitely when things are going bad, But even when things are going well, there's this little voice that says in our ear, is this all there is? But do you know that that's totally natural, totally normal? It's a built-in desire. Guess who put it there? God. God put that desire there. Max Lucado explains it this way. He basically asked a question. If you took a fish out of water and put it on the beach, would the fish be happy? Take that fish, like in the picture, throw it on the beach. Would it be happy? Of course it wouldn't. It's gasping for oxygen. It needs the water going past its gills. But, hey, let's say we give the fish a lounge chair and a million bucks. Does that make him happy? Probably not. What if we give the fish a Corona beer and a Playfish magazine? Would he he be happy then? Some of you are hesitating. You're not so sure now. Hmm. The fish was created for water. That's why he's not happy. Case in point. If you have everything this world has to offer, will you be completely happy The answer is no. Why? Because you were not really created for this world. You see, you were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. This life on earth is a blip compared to eternity. You're here for a little while, then you're gone. You were created to glorify the God of the universe. You're not here to be served by God, you're here to serve God. You know what? Maybe we should lower our expectations of the world. It doesn't make us happy, 
You know, the new car, the new house, new job, new relationship. If none of those are going to totally satisfy the cravings of our heart, well, maybe we should give it a little less credit. You see, God put inside of us this God-shaped void, and he wants to fill it. He's not going to let anybody else fill that void, that God-shaped void. He wants to fill it. Some of you, you know it. You've tried everything out that you can try. You've partied your brains out. You've consumed everything you could. You've rearranged your body. You've traded in your girlfriend or boyfriend for another. Why is it that nothing seems to be fulfilling you? It's because you weren't created to be satisfied by this world. It's not all bad stuff. It's just not all there is. There's something so much more that's a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ. What does that mean, fully devoted to Jesus? Well, it means I belong to you, God. It means lead me, take me. My gifts are yours. My heart is yours. My passion is yours. My whole life is yours. Help me walk by faith. My hands are yours. Use them. My feet are yours. Use them. My mouth is yours. Give me words to be a blessing in this world. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. Doesn't mean life is pain-free. But it does mean that my life is blessed by the presence of God. I started this message by allowing you to think that God wants you happy. We had a little bit of fun. I'll let you think, yeah, that's what God wants. I even use scripture to support that he wants you happy. Scripture says he wants us filled with happiness. But I did something intentionally. I didn't read the whole thing. I want to give you the whole passage now because this brings the message together. At first I read, if you obey and do the right thing, a light will shine and you'll be filled with all this happiness. That's where we started. But now here's the rest. May all who are godly rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, be happy in the Lord. Praise his holy name. Happiness is never going to be found in the things of this world. Not all the way, not completely. Happiness is only found in the Lord. And it's more than happiness. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's his power. It's his presence. It's eternal life. Therefore, lower your expectations of the world. You're not created for this place. You're created for heaven. Above all else, God doesn't want you happy if it causes you to do sinful, stupid things. God doesn't want you to be happy if it's strictly based on what the world has to offer. God has something far better. He wants you happy and tapping into his goodness. He wants us to pursue him and that will make us happy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your truth that sets us free from the cultural myths that mess up our belief systems. I pray, God, that we would pursue you more than we pursue happiness. 
I pray right now for those who are justifying doing wrong things because it makes them happy. I ask that our happiness would not be based on the temporary things of this world. While your heads are still bowed, let me talk to some of you. Some of you recognize you've been on a pursuit your whole life. You've tried everything you can. You've tried the party scene. You've tried the materialistic stuff. You've tried different jobs, different relationships. You've tried the vacation. You've tried to let money make you happy. You've tried everything you can, and there's still a void. Well, that's why you're here at this moment. Somehow you know it. You may be a church person. You may not be but you recognize you have not been pursuing God. Well, here's the good news. God is pursuing you. And he loves you so much that he did something for you that you could never earn or never deserve. Jesus became one of us, died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that whoever calls on his name would be forgiven and made new. It's time for you to call on him and say, I'm ready to pursue you, God. I turn from everything I've been pursuing and I turn toward you. And when you do that, he'll forgive every sin you've ever committed and give you a brand new start. I can't promise you a perfect problem-free life, but I can promise you a perfect God who will love you and comfort you, strengthen you, forgive you, and go through the problems with you. So church, let's worship God. Let's worship him big. Let's pursue the almighty together. Stand up, will you?